0: On this episode of A State of Control, we talk about backend controls, how can we use programming to produce information that's actionable, that can provide diagnostics and analytics, and also that can help troubleshoot systems. All that and more on A State of Control. The network for the AV industry.
1: What are you listening to? This, this is AV. This,
0: this.
2: This. is,
0: is AV Nation. Nation. This is AV Nation. A state of control.
3: A state of
0: control. State of Control, episode 65. Make it actionable. Support for AV Nation is brought to you by FSR. Welcome to A State of Control, an AV Nation podcast that highlights the control, programming, and automation aspects of the audiovisual industry. My name is Steve Greenblatt. I'm your host. Thanks for joining us today. So, on today's show, we're going to talk about how control systems can provide some added value through automated testing, analysis, and those items that can lead to what can be called predictive maintenance. So with me to discuss these uh, topics or a few returning guests that I'm sure you'll be very familiar with, but before we get to them, I'd like to welcome back my partner here at state of control. He is none other than rich Fergosa. Welcome back, rich. How are you? Oh, mellow West
2: coast greetings. I'm glad to be upright. I had a I uh, I was incapacitated with the flu for, uh, the last episode. So, uh, it was a great episode. I, it got better without me. Go figure.
0: Nah, nah, we <laughs> missed you. We missed you. Don't worry.
2: I'm glad to be back, though, and uh, actually really excited about this topic.
0: Excellent. So here are two two uh, guests that I think are be equally excited. First uh, is Dave Hatch from AVI Systems. Welcome back, Dave.
1: Thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me. Uh, definitely looking forward to the topic here. It's something uh, very much, you know, it's dear and dear to my heart. So
0: Excellent. That's why I choose you. <laughs> and next is uh, an uh, industry veteran and friend that uh, comes to us from Germany. His name is Patrick Murray, and he is with Catch Technologies. Welcome back, Patrick.
3: Thanks, Steve. Great to be here. Calling me a veteran makes me sound old, though.
0: Well, we all are, right? <laughs> Getting there. <laughs> so we focus a lot on on the user experience and, and the user interface and user facing controls. And, and that has been the primary focus, I believe, or the primary point of discussion when you think about AV control systems and what an AV programmer is responsible for. But if we take a step back, there's a whole another side of programming that we could we we tend to either overlook or minimize, and and it, that is you know, back end controls, ways of being able to interface with devices, be able to understand system health, um, provide diagnostics and troubleshooting ca- uh, capabilities, and and even automated testing. So. Um, Rich, let, let's uh, start by talking about um, the you know w- the the value of control programming has been questioned for some time, and we're, we're looking for different ways in order to 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 really bring to light the things that we can provide. Would you say that backend controls this and and these types of uh, automated features and testing and diagnostics. is that is that a great opportunity for programmers and and also for solutions providers? Uh, I think it's a necessary
2: uh, function. It, it's not it's not even optional anymore. and And really, we're dealing with two sides of things. You're dealing with the first side of thing, which is your automation. You should be checking your code, right? before it even gets pushed out. There you know you should be working the tools that optimize your code before it even gets to the production level. Then you get to the, okay, well, now, now it's out there. Now you have to deal with the not if, but when something occurs with your systems. Um, and you're going to see that in residential. You're going to see that in commercial. You're going to see that in any of these applications. And, you know, we, we've talked about this before on other shows. The issues that we had 20 years ago, 15 years ago, even 10 years ago, we didn't have the tools. We have the tools now. Um, those tools have come from the tech industry. And we're finding that, they're now working their way into our industry. And I think that as a solutions provider, whether you're a control systems programmer, whether you're the integrator, whether you're the technology manager, um, you know, whether you're the, the, the company liaison, when somebody calls and says something's wrong or something's not working, just calling back and saying, I fixed it is not enough. We need to spend time on the why of a problem right? And the how of a problem, not just, okay, you know, now is there the ultimate three finger salute for, for, for some systems? Yes. You know, sometimes rebooting a unit is what's going to be necessary, but, but we need to be able to get back to why did that unit need to be rebooted? You know, was there a power issue? Was there a connectivity issue? Was there a user issue without that information? Um, it makes it very difficult to maintain projects, to scale projects, and, and to instill confidence. And a lot of times what we deal with with problems with systems when, when you have your shelf life, say, on a project, um, is because confidence has been lost. And the reason confidence gets lost is because you don't have an answer. People will accept an issue occurring. That, that's just life. That's just everyday life. So, you know, problems will arise. But when you don't have a solution and then a way to remediate the problem, those start to stack up. And I think that for it, and and what's happening now is because of the instant nature of information, clients are less inclined to be forgiving as problems stack up. And so I think that the solution provider just is self-preservation. Um, needs to be able to say, here are the tools available. If you opt not to use these tools, well, then you're making a conscious decision to not know why something went wrong. However, we're now giving you the avenue to it. So, I mean, again, it's, it's, it's a changing world. And I think that if you're not working with information, um, you are finding ways to lose business.
0: So Dave, I'll um, bring you in on this the, you know, fr- from a programmer's perspective and also from, a, from an integrator's perspective, which is AVI systems. Um, I, the, how, how do you take advantage of this, this type of a concept of being able to su- better support your, your clients by maybe making your, do, doing some things in code that allow you to be more effective?
1: Sure. Well, I think, you know, the first thing, and so I look at it again from an integrator's perspective, the first thing that's important is from an organizational level, you need to realize and accept that if you're going to start going down this road, you're, you're truly asking yourself to become a, a service provider, a managed, you know, really a managed service provider. And that's important because it's not even as simple as just go write some code hooks. We need the entire business organization to accept it and be prepared to put that to use and to articulate that benefit to the customer. It needs to start with sales and go all the way through your support organization. Once you have that you know putting that aside though, um, you know from the programmer's perspective, it, it really means looking at what you're doing, the code you're writing a little bit different because traditionally many you know many programmers, many developers out there. They've got a list of requirements that are focused around the operation of a room, the experience that we're delivering for someone walking in the door, plugging in a laptop, turning on a TV, all that kind of thing. But, so the requirements that, are, that we're focused with as developers are usually func- focused around that. What we're now saying is we need to also look at what other pieces of information do we want to use the APIs to gather from devices? What other types of information that we want to get consistently from different pieces of devices so that if we're going to say, again, going back to the, the, after, the day two support, if we want to know when devices fall offline, when they stop communicating, okay, that's a pretty easy one. We need to look at every device and find a way to commonly with, within each device understand, are we communicating actively or not? If so, we can then take action on that as the service provider. But then we start to look at other factors. Maybe something as simple as power state. You know, being able to tell our support teams, when did a, a user power on and off each piece of equipment? Did my code that automates the room functionality actually properly power on and off each piece of equipment? Some equipment, you know, most equipment gives us that. Occasionally there's something that doesn't something that just has a toggle power state. Okay, well, as a programmer, I need to understand that and be able to tackle that so that the data coming in is clean and I can put it to use as part of my automated process, you know, automated the rules I base on, on that data to take action. It goes further then into specific metrics, specific pieces of information for each type of device, you know, in, a com- in the commercial space where I spend most of my time we will spend a lot of time looking at consumption of the technology for our clients. Because part of our solution as a service provider is to be able to say not just the performance when something's not working right, but also to paint the picture of return on investment for our customers. They spend a lot of money on technology, so we want to be able to paint the picture of across your entire facility, across your whole campus, What is being used? How much is it being used? Start to really dive into the analytics around that so that as we're talking about technology refreshes or new build-outs, being able to go to the client with deeper information that helps them make more sound decisions. To Rich's point, it's about confidence. We want to be able to talk to our clients and say, okay, as we're your trusted advisor, we want to take the data that our control system gave us in the background that ultimately a programmer programmed for us, we wanna take that data and put it to use so that we can strengthen the business relationship we have with the customer. That's a whole lot deeper than what most programmers th- think about on a daily basis. Again, we typically think about going in, just make the room work, get onto the next job. And so that's why I say it's important for the organization to accept it because there's a whole lot more work required for the vision that I just painted than what we typically do today. And so if we accept that and see the benefit of it as an organization, now we can create an organizational strategy that lets our programmers help be part of defining what that solution looks like, painting the picture of, okay, this is where we are today. If we want to expand the box and get more information and put it to work, what does that look like for our organization and for the benefits we can receive from that?
0: so patrick uh, if if we are to go and and look to deliver a a, a more robust solution that has the, these added capabilities of doing diagnostics and, and monitoring and, and data analysis and and even automated testing is that is that done with the same type of a system and approach that we do that we have been doing, or do we have to approach both the design and and how we program systems differently?
3: No and yes. (laughs) So, you know, we've talked a lot about this uh, over the past few months and years. And I really spent a lot of time looking into this over the past few months and really have been talking to technology owners and trying to figure out what's going on with these systems. Because as an independent programmer, we would see these systems get specified, purchased, and many times they weren't installed or they were kind of halfway set up and they weren't very useful and why is this happening right these are not cheap systems and people want to rely on them and there was a lot of confusion in the market so we spent a lot of time thinking about this and the conclusion that that i've really come up with is that it it just is a completely different separate skill set and it deserves its own just like dave mentioned managed service providers if you're going to do that, then you need a support department. You need to open a new depor- department to do that. And it's the same thing with any kind of a management implementation. It's not an AV system. The AV system, the AV integration industry is really focused on design and builds, getting installed. We have a move in date. We got to get done. We got to deliver. The room's got to work, right? That's a pain that you really feel. If the room doesn't work, everybody knows it. and But that's where our focus is. There's a whole lifetime. That happens to that system after that there's support technicians that need to support these rooms and make sure they're up and running every single day and making that happen is a completely different skill set than than what an av programmer does so the way i envision it in in the best case scenario to make that all work right we're not going to change the way av projects get done but a way to successfully implement these projects and i've spoken with a few Uh, organizations that actually done this the ones that do have the most success they dedicate a team just to the management solution it's got its separate budget it's got a separate timeline it's got a separate development team so it's almost a layer a separate layer that goes on top of everything else and you could get into uh, what kind of technology should you use as well I would argue that a control processor is designed for control and if you're going to use a management system, you will need or you should consider a separate platform because it's just a different use case.
0: So, Rich, um, what, 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 well, if we're going to send a message out to, to those in the industry, you know, and, and I guess the manufacturers in particular... Are there some things that we need that they're not providing with regard to APIs and, and being able to um, do more diagnostics of equipment to be able to deliver these types of solutions? Or or do we have what we need and we just haven't been, been putting it to good use?
2: Um, I think that there has been an industry forced of third-party solutions um, that have had to come about because manufacturers still... To this day, and again, it, it's getting better, but our control, our our, our current AB centric, let's just say, or presentation centric, uh, manufacturers still ha- are holding on to that secret sauce formula, right? That if you open up your your secret sauce, you're giving away business, and you're going to lose business because now people know everything that you do um that was a a, a, you know when when you were dealing with um let's say 20 years ago you know who who remembers sun microsystems (laughs) uh you know or or Cray computing you know these were standalone boutique functional computers right and they only did what they did and they didn't let anything out once technology became more of a ubiquitous function where a processor is a processor and is an interface um that change, that that, that technology more and the ability to monitor things. I mean, uh, uh, imagine trying to manage a computer network just, just with workstations of tens of thousands of workstations, and it was all, and you had a different one for a Cisco switch, or you had a different one for a Fortinet switch, or, I mean, you know, it, but that's where it was. We're dealing with that right now, and, um I think what's happening is that as these third-party tools have started to show success, and I'll use the residential world as an example. Um, you know, uh, Snap Baby is a big player. They've, they've been accumulating companies that part of what they do is just monitoring for some of these companies. You've got companies like Domox. You've got, um, you know, SnapAV has their oversee. Even with the manufacturers right now. I mean, let's look at, you know, It's supposed to be a diagnostic tool, right? It's, you know, it's got some basic diagnostic to tell you if a device comes offline, or a device comes online, or if, you know, program three stopped, or, you know, a device that was being pinged on the other side. Um, Bluebolt, uh, you know, uh, Wattbox, all of these. They're, they're integrated little units that are performing some small aspects of what you need on a device. Um, I know just recently, a third-party manufacturer came out with a Control 4 driver, that its only purpose is to reboot a device if it stops responding after a period of time. But if you think about it, and you've got a $99 Apple TV, or you've got you know, maybe a, a several hundred dollar um, uh, 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 a remote transmission device, you know, a remote connect device or something that you're using for DIY devices. Those things lock up. the Raspberry Pis, something, right? And you never quite know what's going on with them. So you know, just just the aspect of self-healing is where these third parties have come in. I think that with the manufacturers, once they start figuring out that that becomes a value add for them, not a detraction for using them. Then hopefully we'll see that now. The problem is that the pressure is coming from the outside as opposed to from the inside. And I don't know where that tipping point is going to occur yet. I think though that we're getting to the point where the evidence, it's becoming self-evident that you have to do this if you're going to continue on because otherwise somebody's gonna start first and say, here we go, here's our diagnostic API, here is the way that the technology manager without even knowing how a control system processor works can go ahead and be able to tell what's going on in here and i think once one of those companies or a bridge company gets in between and i think patrick came across across a great point it doesn't have to be a processor okay it can be a separate SKU. it can be a separate service software as a service device that is that bridge piece in between maybe that softens the blow for manufacturers going hey we're going to show you the guts of what we do now you can do everything basically at an ic level and what are you going to do with our system and and you know there there is that um still that 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 inherent need from a manufacturer side to, to to operate from a proprietary standpoint and, and again i think that once manufacturers start opening up and the first manufacturer that starts moving towards that um it's gonna cause a lot of the other manufacturers to start sweating so i mean i think it's a self-preservation aspect that Manufacturers need to be looking closer at it. It,
3: it shouldn't be a processor. <laughs> it should definitely be some kind of a bridge device. There are so many mixed uh, campuses out there where it's just the reality. Everything is a third-party system, right? There's no the the, manuf- uh, the display at least will be from another manufacturer. You cannot buy everything from one manufacturer. And what what I've seen happen a lot is. Uh, support techs wind up using a tool for this and a tool for that and a tool for that and they've just got everything all over the place and when they go on vacation the next guy comes in and there's just how do I get any kind of insight into all of these different technologies that are running around so it almost has to be a completely separate independent type of a platform or system or app or whatever that is provi- that is integrating the management of all those different kind of technologies
1: yeah it, it you know Patrick, you hit the nail on the head as I see it. It's tool overload is what our customers yeah, big get time and because the other thing you look at is if you look at just the a v centric nature of where we've come from, again, we're going to have three, four, five different vendors at a minimum of product in our our systems, even well, if least. we try to standardize on one, we're still going to have a bunch of others, and each manufacturer likely has a tool for their piece yep. but what you, you know, what Patrick just described is asking our customers to say, okay, we're going to use a tool for this little wedge, and then for this wedge of the pie, we're going to use a totally different tool that might get similar data, it might not, might go deeper, it might not go as deep, but it's totally different. And then we go to a third tool and a fourth tool, and before long, we've got so many different tools, they all behave different, that it's what we see today, nobody uses them. Exactly. By stepping out to that, you know, to, to, you know, an external management system of some form or flavor that becomes your point of data aggregation. And once you have that, that's what really takes your, your opportunity to the next level to say, okay, what do I really want to craft? What information really is actionable? Because when we talk about monitoring, a lot of times, you know, we start to think of, oh, well, this little bit nugget's out there and that little nugget's out there and I could collect this and I could collect that. But the question to really ask yourself as a developer is, what can we do with that data? What action can we actually take? And I would argue that if a piece of information plays no factor in any of the actions you perceive, it's probably not very important for you. Focus your energy on that actionable piece. And so back to the question of Rich, you know, about what can we ask our manufacturers? I spend a lot of time talking with product managers and technology managers at some of the manufacturers around, these are the actions I'm trying to achieve with our managed service solution. Here's the information I need from you. I'm not going to tell you how I want to even get it. That's up to you as a product manager to figure out how to give that to me, but I go in and I go in and talk the business case. Here is what's going to enable me to sell more of your product. Here's what's going to make your product more attractive to the end user and differentiate you from your competitor if you can give me the ability. I'll use DSPs as an example. If we're, one of the questions I get very frequently when I start to talk managed services to our customers is, wait a minute, we had a conference call last week and everyone complained that the microphone sounded bad. Can you tell me about that and when you start to go look at the information that's typically exposed by our manufacturers today well i can tell you what your volume levels were i can tell you if it was muted or unmuted i can tell you the call status i can tell you where your eq levels are i can even compare you to baseline settings pretty well but i can't tell you anything about the echo cancel performance In, you know api has not exposed that from any of our manufacturers today So I've talked with a lot of our manufacturers about the the business value. If I could see, we know on that little chip on the box, the information's there. They just haven't exposed it. Something as simple as if a manufacturer could expose through an API, how that echo canceler is performing. Where's our ERL? You know, that right there is something that I could then monitor, gather that data, and put to work. Because now I can take action when I see it not where I want it to be. And that's the important piece is through all this is what action are we going to take? I
2: think Dave brings up a great point. And, and actually, I'll, I'll bring up an example that it, just like this. Um, and a manufacturer who's getting closer, you know, and, and they are the 800-pound gorilla. But Cisco, with, with their video conferencing series, we had an issue where, it, you know, it was a pretty significant conference call that was going on. Um, and one of the far ends dropped. And it was senior level management, C-level management. First things that came out of their mouths was, why did this happen? Now, with some of the traditional control manufacturers, no answer, we don't know, right? Maybe, it, their logging capability was able to go all the way back that it was tracked down to the, um, the phone service provider at one of the remote locations. It had nothing to do with the technology. It actually had to do with you know, the person the, the company that was providing the pots on. That's information that you know is important. that's it, they brought up the perfect term, right? It's actionable. Um, you know with you know it, it, if you pull most of the integrators, right? We're doing presentation systems or conference systems, right? What's the sticking point? Call dropped off, call quality, microphone. Uh, you know, it, I mean, it's it's maybe uh, a baker's dozen of items. So if all of a sudden you can go back and work with your manufacturer and say, here are always the target point. And again, you can track the calls, right? You track the service tickets coming in with this third party. What are, you know, what are the constant sticking points that's happening at this site? That then allows you to create a a window to be able to say, okay, these are constantly dropping off. This is the constant problem you're having in the meeting. That is information that's important to an organization. That's information that's valuable that you can charge an organization. And this all comes back to, hey, what can you charge for? And that's where the conversation has to go. Companies don't have a problem paying for services if they believe that those services are going to help them be more profitable or recover costs, whether human costs, electronic costs, lost time and opportunity costs. And that becomes the biggest conversation. Where am I making you money or where am I saving you money? And that's sometimes the hardest part for integrators. Because the integrator is like, let's sell the box. Let's sell the job, right? That's not the conversation that the end user wants to hear. They don't care about the box. You know, as Patrick said, there's tons of, you know, there's there's thousands of different opportunities out there in terms of boxes. It all comes back to what is the most cost-effective solution that allows a company to run day in and day out with as little downtime as possible. And that's where we need to be starting, you know, pushing the conversation.
1: Well, and, and Rich, you, the point you bring up, you know, if you think about it, what information or you know, wh- where did, what, what was the source of the information to that challenge there it wasn't in the av equipment it was in the network it was from the phone system it was from areas of technology that we're not usually involved with and so you know part of the value of not being locked in and saying okay manufacturer x's tool is all i need because i just need to focus on this little you know little piece more and more we're seeing networked av well, guess what network DV is contingent on the network so don't you think it would make sense to monitor the performance of the network switches of the entire network path and while yes the the customer is you know, their it group is monitoring those devices for their own uses that doesn't mean they're going to say no we won't give you visibility they might but they might not and more and more we're seeing if we go into customers and say our technology is dependent on your network. Will you give us visibility into this segment of your network so that we can correlatively analyze performance from A to B to C to D and see the entire path? When we present it that way, more and more customers are saying, sure. If it, again, to Rich's point, if it brings that value and that increased reliability of the entire solution, customers will go to bat for you.
0: Well, I, I, I think that the, I mean it's, it's fascinating conversation and, I, and so it's where really, really the direction I was hoping things are going to go in. Unfortunately, we're going to be run short on time, but I did want to wrap up with with a couple, with one question that I think will will be thought provoking. And and Patrick, I'll start with you. Um, do we have the skill set that we need? right now to deliver this. And, uh, you know, because I, I look at this and and I say, you know, put put in front of a programmer the need to correlate data and crunch all of this information. Is that something that that is in is is in our wheelhouse or do we have to be looking outside for it?
3: Uh, We don't have the skill set now. But we could absolutely learn it. And I, I guess by we, you mean AV programmers.
0: Yes, sorry. yes
3: it's, sorry. It's part of the job, right? We're the um, generalists. That's what we do. We learn how things work <clears throat> and then we implement it. So looking at this use case, a management system, <clears throat> what do you have? You have a different end user, right? It's either going to be your in-house support team or it's going to be the uh, organization's internal support team. You've got a different user interface, it's not a touch panel. It's not meant to turn the TV on and off. It's meant to let you know if everything's up. Um, what kind of notifications, right? What kind of logging? Rich mentioned that. What happens in the past? It's a completely different user interface. Uh, the communication protocols are also different. It's not IR and serial, right? You're generating notifications by who knows what, email, Slack, things like that. You're maybe opening a ticket on a support ticket system some of these things live in the cloud so you got to deal with oauth and actually have a cloud app running so that you could connect to the av system and and open up that support ticket so it really is a different skill set and i think one of the problems we've been having with it one of the reasons why we struggle getting these management systems up and running is because we tend to treat them as an afterthought of the av system right just let the programmers do it and it gets put in the bid spec with the normal av system and it's not it's actually a separate project and if we approach it like that and you know you spend the time and think about okay what do we actually need to make this thing useful put yourselves in the shoes of that support tech um think about think about a programming project right what's the first thing you try to do you try to understand get your head around how the heck does this thing work well imagine you're supporting a hundred rooms or a thousand rooms and the phone can ring at random on any one of those. You don't have the time to just get, take out the drawings and oh, how did this work again? There's no time for that. You need some kind of an interface that gives you all the information you need right away. What's the status of every device? What's the functionality of this system? Uh, what, what does that functionality require, right? What devices are talked to? What kind of feedback should we be getting from it? So those are the kinds of the things that you could start thinking about and looking into. But really don't treat it as a normal AV project AV programming project because it, it's not it's something different
0: and thank you and Deva we'll wrap this up with, with this last thought and you know can you can you speak a little bit to you know is it you, you mentioned about how we need to look at what are the clients issues and challenges and, and what is the information that they need and then kind of work backward, which, which I think makes, makes perfect sense. Um, how do you then specify something like that? You know, how, how, do you, how do you actually define that? Or is it something that needs to be an evolution in order to really fine tune and, and figure out what, what, what it is, is, is going to be best fit?
1: Well, I think, I think you're right. You have to be an evolution period. Because if you sit around and try to build the perfect set of requirements, you're going to sit and pontificate till the end of time. You have, to, you have to decide, you know, sort of to Patrick's point, you have to look at what information is the most meaningful to us. You need to come up with a strategy for how, you know, look at all of the system types that you're supporting. Look at the manufacturers you're supporting. And, you know, look at, okay, how, you know, if again, if I'm starting with a blank slate, how can I get the information I need out of the things that we sell today? Or maybe the things that we think we're gonna to sell tomorrow. But you know, focus on, okay, with what's out there, let's get some small wins. Let's first get visibility into just, are my systems all online and communicating? Then expand it into, okay, let's get some more meaningful data out of these types of devices, out of our video displays or things like that. What you're going to find is there's, p- there's gaps in the information from the manufacturers. So then you start to go talk to the manufacturers, realizing you're not going to get an answer that it's fixed today. But what you might be fighting for is that data to be available in six months or a year from now. You know, w- you know at AVI, I've spent a lot of time working with our solution. And some of the discussions that I started two or even three years ago are finally coming to fruition with our manufacturers. And so, you know, the interactions with all the different parties, um, with different software platforms that you might be using, Um, one of the areas I emphasize is integrating with your internal ticketing system so that if you get visibility into all these different pieces of technology out there as an integrator, wouldn't it be nice if that information, once verified and vetted, could just open tickets for you, save someone that extra bit of typing while you're at it? That little bit of automation has sent, saved us, I can't tell you how many hours as a company. Okay, that's one piece to scope. We didn't do that day one. We grew into that. And so it's, it's really approaching this with the traditional software development lifecycle. It's building out your requirements, set your, you know, again, what, whatever methodology you want to follow to deliver it, that's fine. But. Again, this is where Patrick's point of having a dedicated team to this becomes really important because with that team, you can look at what resources do we have set aside. And maybe that team is, we're just gonna count our programmers time for two weeks every month, two weeks every quarter, two weeks every year, whatever time you have your organization agrees to set aside. Well, plan, what can you get done in that amount of time? And start start working on it. Little wins count as much as the big ones sometimes, and you'll never get there if you don't start somewhere.
0: Well, I think that's a great way to end, and that's a good life lesson in general, so thank you for that. Um, we appreciate everybody's participation. This was a, a, a great topic and a great conversation. Um, Dave Hatz from AVI Systems, please uh, Thank you for joining us and tell everyone how they can reach you and learn more about AVI Systems.
1: Um, probably best ways on LinkedIn at Dave Hats. Um, I'm at the Twitters at Dave Hats AVI. Um, email also gets me, dave.hats at avisystems.com. So, uh, but thanks for having me, uh, Steve. Really appreciate it.
0: And you want to share a, little, uh, a quick plug for the AVI Systems product?
1: Well, if you'll let me, sure. So, uh, you know, a lot of what we've talked about here. Um, is a challenge actually that was brought to me by our leadership uh, a number of years ago. And so AVI Insight um, is, is the core of AVI's managed services platform. Um, I won't go too deep into the, you know, the commercial side of it, but you know, certainly the things we've talked about here are all things that uh, you know, AVI as an integrator has been through. And uh, we really feel that we've got an industry-leading solution for. So reach out to me again, Dave.hat's at avisystems.com. And, you know, we'd be happy to put you in touch with the right people and, and talk for, you know, further about either, you know, as an end user or a customer on what we could do or as an integrator of how did we get there. I'm happy to, to share advice at any point.
0: That would be great. Uh, Patrick Murray from Catch Technologies. How can people get in touch with you, learn more about Catch Technologies and also share a little bit about your product
3: Thanks, Steve. Um, Yeah, a good way to get in touch with me is over LinkedIn. Just search for Patrick Murray, CTS, or over the website, catchtechnologies.com. And we're also working on a uh, service management solution, uh, a little bit different from Dave's approach. We're packaging it as an AV support upgrade. So we're not just selling a box or a, a platform. We're really helping you analyze what the status of your systems are and how to really improve your workflow and make sure that you get visibility into your systems and notify when things happen. And that all starts with a strategy call um, where we just have a nice little chat and see if we can help. And if we can't, we try to give the advice that we can and um, just be helpful.
0: I, I like it. And last but not least, Rich, great another great show Thanks uh, for being part of it. Uh, it's always good when we can rely on our guests to speak more than us. <laughs> uh, how can people get in touch with you and learn more about what you're up to?
2: Uh, well, first, I'm glad and hoping to be a user of some of these services that uh, the boys are providing uh, on the other side and, and uh, all about partnerships. And I think that's really the important thing is that probably the biggest lesson you know out of this conversation today is, is be open to collaboration. Uh, so if you want to collaborate with me, uh, <laughs> you, you can find me at Uh Probably the best place is uh, either Twitter or LinkedIn. Uh, Twitter is at our Fragosa. LinkedIn, just type in my name. Um, but first and foremost, uh, I'd love for you to find me here at avianation.tv, here with my uh, like partner, Steve, or uh, some of the other shows that I'm on, Resi Week and AV Week. Um, but that would be the best places is uh, supporting us on the site.
0: I like it. So uh, to, to reiterate what Rich said, you know, uh, visit avnation.tv to learn more about this show and other shows uh, on, on the network. Uh, while you're there, please uh, check out the supporters, uh, those that help to make this show and the others possible, and support the AV Nation Network. For me, uh, Steve Greenblatt, you could reach me uh, at Steve Greenblatt simply on most social media platforms. I've uh, Been enjoying AV in the AM, so if the, those of you that participate like to see you there on Sunday mornings, and um, we, you could also visit my company, Control Concepts at controlconcepts.net. But uh, and and uh, we also are continuing to to want to improve the show and do more. The, uh, cover more of the topics that pertain to the listeners. So please reach out to us, uh, either Rich or, or me, and uh, let us know what you like and what we can do more of and, and uh, provide some, uh, some input. We, we always want to hear from you. So, uh, other than that, that's uh, all that we have for today on State of Control.